Welcome to Forever White Belt. I am your host, Adolfo Ferranda. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of chatting with 25-year-old Chad the Beast Hardy. Chad is probably best known for occasionally appearing on the very popular Chujitsu YouTube channel. Chad actually earned his black belt under Nick Chewy Albin himself and was assistant head instructor at Derby City MMA in Louisville, Kentucky. Chad is now head instructor at Guardian Mixed Martial Arts in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. This is a young man at an exciting inflection point in his life, newly engaged with a great job and creating great product with so much runway in front of him and the wind at his back. In contrast to the present, in the episode you will hear me allude to much of Chad's earlier years being comprised of so much sadness and tragedy. Let me give you some context. Chad is originally from Bloomington, Indiana, and before the age of five his mother passed away. Soon after, his father was shot in the head and fell into a coma for over a year. For that duration, he was cared for by his grandmother. After that year, his father came out of the coma and moved the family away from the gang-plagued area they lived in to another crime and violence-filled area in Louisville, Kentucky. On his first day at the new school in the new town, Chad was punched in the face for no reason. He was robbed twice in one month, witnessed a shooting directly in front of his apartment, was regularly assaulted for simply trying to come home from school. His drug-addicted aunt would regularly attempt to steal from them. And at age 15, he lost his beloved grandfather and uncle. All of this resulted in Chad one day ingesting a bottle of pills, only to awake in hospital from a failed suicide attempt, surrounded by those he loved and that loved him. And fortunately for all, this is where the story does not end, but rather begins. There are trees that remain strong and durable and even thrive in the most hostile conditions. In a study, scientists found that the acacia tree in the Arava Desert in Israel is the world's largest tree growing in such a hot and dry climate. The tree has an even higher growth rate during the hot, rain-free desert summers than during the slightly wetter winters. And scientists continue to research into its remarkable resilience and how it might provide valuable information to us. And with that, I give you Chad Hardy. So welcome to the show, Chad. Hey, thanks for inviting me, man. I love doing these. Let's get into the origin story. Like so many of us, you were raised, surrounded, and directly affected by crime and, and a lot of tragedy. Was your mindset that you would not turn into these types of people when you grow up? Or what was going through your mind in terms of like what motivated you to develop into the person you've become? For sure. I feel like people that grow up in a poor area, every night you hear success stories all the time about people who came from a, a poor area and then they worked themselves into something. And I was lucky enough to be at Derby City and kind of see people who were successful and what it was like. And they kind of became my role models. And I looked at them, you know, rather than looking at people on the street and, you know, all the people that were doing bad, I had a good environment at Derby City. And I was able to look up to some of these people rather than people on the side of town that Mm -hmm. I was on. Not that everybody's bad, but a good uh, majority in the area that I grew up, it wasn't that good. Since we have such an international audience here, can you explain what Derby City is and the region? Yeah, so uh, Derby City Martial Arts is the gym that Chewy owns. I started Derby City, I think when I was 11 years old. Uh, I was ran by my first instructors, Kyle and Colin Cannon. And then mm-hmm. a guy named Derek ended up buying the gym. And Chewy was kind of the head instructor after they left. Mm-hmm. And then Chewy ended up buying the gym a little bit later. So Derby City is in Louisville, Kentucky. I grew up in the Shively area, which is not a very good area at all. You know, I remember uh, me and my dad saw somebody get shot right outside of our door. Guy just walked up to him, shot him, took his wallet. It sounds bad, but I was kind of used to seeing that stuff. It happened all the time. I'd be walking down the street, two people come running at me. I'm like, all right, well, you know, it's time time to start fighting. 
<laughs> take off my backpack and people were always trying to beat you up for, you know, just being you walking down the road. Kind of yeah. got used to it. But luckily I had Derby City. It's funny looking back at old pictures now. I'd always wear like all these baggy clothes and <laughs> tap out gear and stuff like that. But, you know, I had good role models and they're kind of leading me in the right direction. If you look back at some of Chewie's older pictures too, he, he was the same way. He literally grew up, I think it was one street over from me. So no kidding. Kinda grew up, huh. Yeah, so we grew up in the same area. He used to pick me up and take me to the gym because he lived right down the road from me. He came from the same thing. And his old pictures, he was wearing baggy clothes and, you know, doing all this stuff. <laughs> it was kind of funny to look back. We had similar come-ups. But then I saw him start changing and, you know, he started wearing nice clothes and started taking care of himself, getting mm-hmm. haircuts, just stuff like that that you don't mm-hmm. do. And I was <laughs> looking up to him and obviously a bunch of lawyers we had at the gym, police officers. So I looked up to them and... You know, I'd changed my entire way when I started getting older. You know, I was like, I don't want to have to be stuck in this area for the rest of my life. You know, I want right. to grow and keep moving forward. It's funny because you and Chewie seem like two very different types of personalities in a way. He's much more sort of boisterous in a way, it seems like. At least it comes across that, that way online. And where you come off a little more sort of reserved. But you know what I notice about a lot of your content, too, is it's infused with all this humor which I really, really enjoy and I appreciate it. And that's one thing that I gravitate back to your content. Where did that all come from? Was that like the culture of the Academy too? Or or is that just inherent in you? Because when I read your bio and everything, doing the research for the show, I mean, there's so much sadness and darkness in a way. And yet you have this really hilarious sense of humor. So when I first started the channel, I was like, man, I just don't want to just do technique videos. I wanted to do something that was fun for me as well. I have probably not the greatest sense of humor, but (laughs) you know, I I try my best, but you know, I, I love making those funny videos for everybody and i'm hoping that it brightens somebody's day up because i remember when i was going through all that stuff i mean i look forward to watching videos from people coming out i watch a lot of comedy growing up so <laughs> that's what i want to do I, I have fun doing it yeah just thinking yeah. of random ideas and then luckily at derby city my old roommate his name's brian me and him would just sit there at night and brainstorm just ridiculous ideals to come up with as soon as i moved to where i'm at that's now awesome. murfreesboro tennessee I ran into Nakana, the big Hawaiian guy, and yeah. he's hilarious as well. He is hilarious. Else. You two together have fantastic chemistry, by the way, man. Yeah, he's like the outgoing, you know, and I'm yeah. just kind of reserved and quiet. and The straight know. man, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's funny. So I ran into him, and it was like the perfect uh, little combo because I'm 6'3", and he's like 5'4". <laughs> <laughs> big guy. Yeah. It's so great. Out. You've moved to, as you just mentioned, a new region, if you will, or town in, in Kentucky. Are you at a new academy or what's the deal there? Yeah, my now fiance came down. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, she yeah. Uh, came down to Derby City. So we're all part of Team Sean Hammonds. Okay. And Sean Hammonds, I had known him since I was like 13 years old. They've been trying to get me to move down here forever. So they sent Leslie up now. But she went to do like a little team training with her friend. And I right. meeting her and uh, we started dating for like a year and she was driving down here all the time. And mm. it just wasn't fair on her. So I was like, well, I'm going to move up. I'm going to move up there. It ended up working out. But yeah, now I'm in uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Uh, it's okay. about three and a half hours from Chewy's Academy. It's not too far away. And I'll still go up there and train. And then Chewy's going to come down here in the next few weeks and train with us. That was quite a leap of faith, though, too, right? I mean, you're leaving the, you know, Chewy's super famous academy and you're diving off into the uh, the abyss in yeah, terms man. of your jujitsu and your career, right? Yeah. So luckily, uh, John has a very tough academy, Guardian MMA. We have multiple world champions, pan champions. 
my main training partner we're trying to get him a fight for on fight to win for the oh, title wow. soon uh his wow. big heavyweight is about 230 <laughs> so but me and him wow. always have some battles his name's kenny cross he's an up-and-comer man and he's freaking he's a monster so i, I got wow. some tough people to train with i mean they were my students too at derby city but now like I'm pretty much the, the head instructor at that gym, and I've taken some people from White Belt, and I've had them for three years and grown them up, and it's fun to just see them with just my style kind of coming up. It's cool to see. So you were teaching as well at uh, Chewy's gym, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I was teaching. I was Chewy's assistant head instructor, so I would usually teach like half the classes, and he would teach half the classes, and then when I moved to Guardian, Sean was there for a little bit and he taught a majority of the classes and then life got in the way and you know he, he has to travel to different gyms and do all this stuff so i took over a majority of the classes at guardian and i've been teaching there all the time now wow. and i try to travel do seminars stuff like that you're quite the entrepreneur now what i noticed so you've got all that live instruction that you're doing plus you have this whole online presence so you have what looks to be like a very popular and successful youtube channel and now you have chadthebeasthardy.com you have this sort of online offering correct can you talk about what that is and how that came about yeah so my uh, i always say instructor professor <laughs> Oh, yeah. Professor Colin, the guy's like a genius, man. He can create stuff like million dollar ideas and then, but he'll, he'll work on it. And then he's like, ah, okay, I'm done. And then he'll move on to the next idea and the next idea. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He approached me about, I think it was my first year doing the YouTube stuff. He's like, hey, I want to build somebody a website for free because I'm trying to get this thing to sell to bigger companies. And so I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, man, of course I'll take it. So we came up with the idea to do an online academy and I ended up like that week, as soon as he got it put up, he put it up really fast. I started recording all these series and I was thinking, what would people want to buy if I was in their position? And I was like, well, I'm 6'3", you know, and there's a lot of lanky people and I don't mm -hmm. ever see people talking about how to use their length in jujitsu. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. my first course that I ended up putting out was the lanky jujitsu course. People love that. And then I kept going from there. But mm -hmm. now I'm trying to set up a little home studio that way I can record all the videos. Of course. And I feel like over three years, my teaching style has changed and I've gotten more proficient at teaching. Thinking about going back and, you know, redoing those. I'm a perfectionist, so I'll sit there and watch a video. Like, I didn't post a video for a month, <laughs> like last month, because I would watch the video and there'd be like one thing that I didn't like. I'm like, nope, <laughs> I gotta redo it all. I'm a hard critic on myself, so I try to make sure everything's perfect. I mean, and being on the internet, you want everything to be perfect because you only get one chance to do it. All it takes is for somebody to watch your stuff one time and they're like, oh, no, I'm done. I was going through the product line there on the online academy. How many titles are on there? There's a ton, it seems like. I kept going through yeah. all those little tiles, seeing you have some placeholders. Yeah, I'm working on doing, because another thing I don't see out there, nobody has kids' courses. Yeah. And I I'm work here, with yeah. kids a lot. I mean, being a kid myself when I was 11 doing jiu-jitsu, I kind of know what people want and want to look yeah. forward to. I would think that that would be awesome as a kid if they had something you know designed yeah. specifically for them. So I'm trying to do that. Mm. I'm trying to make more lanky jiu-jitsu stuff 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to have Nakana do a series for bigger guys. I'm trying to hit, like, I guess all the niches you could call them. Right. You know, just for anybody with a specific body style, they can just go to that and they can look at it. You know, rather than just a ton of random stuff, I try to put it in order a little bit. So you can go to the course and be like, okay, everything for the guard is right there. And right. you can click on it. I don't know if you noticed, but you can click on the course. And then when you scroll down, you can click like spider guard or guard or whatever it is you want to learn. And then you can scroll through the lesson plans as well to see awesome. what's on that video. But yeah, we put it, Colin put a ton of time into it. And I That's was crazy. extremely happy with what he put out with my website and everything. So you, it looks like you're using something called Gistio. Is this something that Colin created? It's um, for your online option. Are you happy with it thus far? So are there pros, what are your pros and cons with that? And, and what kind of advice would you give to like other black belts who want to start an online presence of some sort? The hardest part is just taking that first step to put yourself out there and, you know, start. Hmm. Uh, I remember when I first started my YouTube channel, again, because I'm a really hard critic to myself and I want everything to be perfect. I kept doing the videos like, ah, man, I, I don't know if I should post this. But most people are telling me like all my stuff's good. And I'm winning in tournaments. I'm doing all this stuff. But still in my head, I'm like, ah, you know, so I was my hardest critic. But I got past that. Finally, you know, Chewie told me, come on, man, staying on me. And I was like, OK, I'll start doing it. So I started posting on different platforms. I started to gain a following. Then I had that guy tell me that he was going to beat me up with no liabilities. So that ended up becoming my <laughs> my little catchphrase. Well, so Gistio, I could be wrong, but I want to say that I want to say Colin created it, but I don't, I'm not for sure on that. Yeah, yeah. I know okay. that it's the thing that he uses to build the websites. Mm-hmm. And he kind of told me a little bit about it. He's trying to make a website builder. So yeah, I know okay. the guy created things like monster management. A lot mm-hmm. of places used to use that back in the day for keeping track of their members. A lot of martial arts academies use that. I don't want to say that it's his because I don't want him to get credit yeah. for it if it's yeah, not. Yeah. I'm not for sure on that, but it, it is a really good website. The thing that I love the most about it is like as soon as you click it, there's not really any load time. He put a lot of work. He told me it took him like two months of just working on that. He's like, that's the most important thing. I want you to click on it and it's just bam, and, you know, you get the video. Awesome. The only thing that I told him that I wanted to, re- and it's really not a big problem, but you know, I had to send him like my pictures to put up mm. on the website yeah. besides that everything was awesome and then he ended up building me an online store as well because i was yeah. trying to start selling my shirts and stuff but it was going to take him a lot of time and he has another job working on stuff as well so yeah. i ended up going with constant contact they made right. a little website to where you could sell shirts and dvds and stuff like that so i kind of just made it like a, a separate website where you could buy products and stuff like that and then you have mm-hmm. my online academy where you can mm. watch all the courses and stuff so how did you even learn the ins and outs of filmmaking and YouTube and are you doing all the editing yourself? How do you even plan out these things? What's your process? Uh, I will sit in bed and just think for hours. I'll be up to like two in the morning and be like, man, I need a, a good video idea. It's bad at times because I'll spend like weeks just sitting there thinking and thinking and Leslie's like, hey, <laughs> you know, waving in my face. But that's like all, <laughs> once I get fixated on something, mm-hmm. I have to be 100% in it or I go crazy. Right, so I just right. sit there and think of ideas over and over. As far as the filmmaking, I really just I pay attention to a lot of stuff. So I'd watch you know, photographers at weddings and stuff like that. And I was always interested in them taking pictures, you mm-hmm. know, doing the video, interested in how they do that. So I just started watching video. And then when we would go anywhere where I saw someone with a camera, I would kind of look at the techniques that they were doing. I would watch videos for hours <laughs> to see if I could get like a glimpse of somebody recording just to see like what camera equipment they were using. 
Because there's yeah. not much out there that tells you like, hey, this is yeah. a camera I'm using, the microphone, my setup. I pretty much learned it. I can't say on my own. I've used a lot of YouTube and stuff and just kind of watching. But yeah, self-taught YouTuber. <laughs> Editing and stuff. Uh, I ended up getting like Adobe and I just played around with it for hours, kind of figured mm-hmm. it out. But it's just something that kind of fascinates me. I like building stuff. Like I just created a logo for Team Sean Hammonds. I made that. Like I never went to school for it. I just kind of played around with it all. And yeah, it all just ended up working out from watching the videos and practicing i always preach consistency the more consistent you are the better you're going to get at something so of i was course. just consistent every night putting in the hours trying to learn as much as i could and playing with the programs in terms of consistency your progression from day one white belt to where you are now let's talk about that journey what did that look like started when I was 11 years old. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, martial arts, I think I started when I was like six or seven. Taekwondo, right? Yeah, I started out with Taekwondo. And then my instructor at the time, Ryan, he was already training at Derby City. So our Taekwondo gym ended up closing down and Ryan's like, hey man, go try out uh, Derby City. You know, it's a great gym full of good people. It's like, okay, I'll try it out. So I went there and they wouldn't let me take jujitsu because Colin didn't like kids. <laughs> Not that he didn't like kids, but he didn't want to teach kids. It's like, right, man, right. we don't do kids programs here. <laughs> like it's adult stuff. So I ended up having to do, uh, they let me do some boxing and capoeira at the time because I had capoeira. So yeah. I go into the boxing class and they kind of just throw me to the side and they're like, all right, do uh, 5,000 jabs. I guess they were hoping that I was going to leave or something. I was like, all right. So sat in the corner, did my 5,000 jabs, came back the next day. I was like, all right, go ahead and throw 5,000 twos. And I'm like, okay. You know, so I sat there the whole class for an hour just throwing a two. And he's like, all right, well, this kid's want to stick with us. So he threw me in the cage to spar like on my fourth day. <laughs> and then Colin saw that I actually had a work ethic and, you know, I wanted to be there. And I wasn't a kid that was like, you know, jumping on people and playing around. I was very serious about my training because I loved it. It was, it was always fascinating. And again, anything right. that I do, I like to be a hundred percent. Like I don't like to play around. I like to get yeah. it done. Well, so, was there also a motivation, a motivation because you were getting jumped, right? And stuff too, right? I <laughs> yeah. mean, so survival right yeah exactly so my first day of school this kid comes up and just punches me in the nose my first First day day. of school yeah i moved to louisville i went to this new school and this kid just you know just hits me in the nose for no reason i didn't Mm. say anything to him and i had a little bit of blood coming off my nose i just kind of stood there in shock like what the hell just happened you know because i'd never been in a fight nobody's ever hit me before yeah so that day my dad ends up uh taking me to the taekwondo school well, I do Taekwondo for about a month, two months, something like that. That kid comes back to me and he tries to put his hands on me again. And, you know, I started firing back with punches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I ended up winning that fight. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, like this stuff works. You know, mm-hmm. it helped me defend myself. And mm-hmm. I was hooked on it ever since then because it's like, okay, I'm not letting anybody put their hands on me again, which is good and bad because I got in a lot of fights when I was younger. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, anytime someone would, you know, try to pick on me or something, I was like, not having it ever since that first kid punched me in the nose. I was like, yeah, that's not happening again. So right. it gave me motivation, something to work towards because I just didn't want to be, be bullied. You know, I didn't want to yeah. have that feeling of just standing there looking stupid again. So I trained as hard as I could. And then I started doing tournaments. And then I ended up getting disqualified from most of my Taekwondo tournaments because they, they said I was too aggressive. But it was fun. I just loved it at that point. I had a few, I was making friends in the sport. Taekwondo wow. had a yeah. lot of friends. And that kind of motivated me. And we were all working hard together. It's just great. a good atmosphere. It helped me, helped me a lot as a kid to be in martial arts. The transition to jiu-jitsu, what did that look like? 
So my instructor at the time, he would teach us a little bit of jujitsu. He was only a four-stripe white belt, but he, yeah. he would always venture into different martial arts and bring stuff back to the academy. I was like, you know, just in case somebody does this to you, here's what you sure. need to know. So he showed me how to do a basic guillotine, a rear naked choke, double leg, you know, stuff like that, and then how to mm -hmm. how to stand back up if somebody takes you down. So mm -hmm. we worked on all that. But I was like, hey, I don't know if I want to do jujitsu and wrestle. It was like, I really like punching people. <laughs> you know, yeah, so yeah. I continued doing stand-up and until uh, I was about 19 and then I kind of wow. I'll do it every now and then wow. but for the most part I just do all jujitsu now but I went over to Derby City and I went with this teenager that was there I think he was like 15 16 they shot him for a double leg and I hit the guillotine I was like oh man like this stuff actually works what uh, my instructor mm -hmm. was showing me so now I want somebody else and they destroyed me and that kind of <laughs> humbled me a little bit and I was like mm -hmm. okay now I want to start learning this stuff because this guy just destroyed me and I couldn't do anything about wow. it you know wow. anytime someone would beat me in something I'm like okay mm -hmm. I want to start learning how to <laughs> how to not lose again I mean, there's so many other personalities that would, you get beat in something like that, and you're just like, you know, this isn't for me. I quit. Yeah, somebody could beat me in tennis, and I'd be like, all right. <laughs> in tennis for like 10 let's years, like, up. all right, let's go now. <laughs> I'm just yeah. a competitive person. I just in the nature of, doesn't matter what it is. I think that's why I like to play a lot of games and stuff like that. Continues to work your mind and kind of build reflexes, and it's fun. What were your white belt years like in jujitsu? I did my first tournament in jiu-jitsu with, with about a month of training. Wow. I think it was a month, two months. I had this tournament. I was like, well, I competed in taekwondo. Like, you know, it can be, mm -hmm. you know, wrestling and jiu-jitsu can't be worse than getting punched in the face. So yeah. I was like, yeah, I'll go out there and do that. I ended up winning my first tournament. Uh, the match is actually on YouTube. It's pretty funny. Oh, I mean, awesome. I just grabbed each other running around the ring, and then <laughs> I think one of us fell down, and I ended up getting an arm bar. So I won my first tournament, and then I was hooked after that because I always lost in Taekwondo for getting disqualified. Mm. So I finally won a tournament. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I ended up started competing like twice, three times a month. Any tournament that came up, I was there. EGO was a big one back in the day, the Extreme Grappling Open. And our area was a huge one. So I started just competing as much as I could. And uh, kind of credit that to being as good as I am now. Just being out there, testing my skill over and over mm -hmm. you know, at a young age, it helps out a lot. So when you were promoted to Blue Belt, uh, did you feel like you were ready? Yeah, so I guess I guess I've been training about six years at that point they would let me at the ego compete in the adult divisions when i was like 14 so mm -hmm. uh, you know i was already used to going with adults and at my at derby city i mean they had a bunch of people that made it to the ultimate fighter brent weedman who was in wow. the tour you know so we had a great group of people there you know yeah. hard hard working guys so I was used to rolling with all them. So I was like, yeah, can't be any worse than that. So yeah. I trained, yeah, about six years. I did my first blue belt tournament. I ended up winning that one. I won most of my matches in about 30 seconds. But then Chewie held me at blue belt for a while just because attitude. <laughs> Anytime I rolled with somebody, it was 150%. But if they were brand new, first coming in the door, mm. yeah, I was always 150. I thought that, which I mean, you do have to have that if you mm -hmm. want to be you know, the best in the world, or you want to compete with the best in the world, at least you have to go at it really hard. But I didn't realize now if I go with a newer person, you know, I'm kind of letting them work a little bit, you know, yeah. moving with them, letting them practice the techniques. Every now and then I'll still squash them once they get a little <laughs> bit into it. <laughs> you know, it's good. I think on someone's first day, you should always destroy them the first roll because that's what they did to me. And I was yeah. like, this stuff's awesome. You know, I <laughs> yeah. stuck with it. Now, not everybody's going to be like that, of course, yeah. but I feel like that's how you're going to become the best. You know, mm. if that happens to you and you're like, okay, 
you know, I want to start learning this stuff, which mm-hmm. is a mindset that you should have. But I tell people on their first day, I'm like, look, man, you're probably going to get destroyed. Don't get frustrated. It's going to be part of it. What do you tell people on the first day? Yeah, I mean, first I ask you, what was your reasoning for starting? You know, why mm-hmm. did you want to start jiu-jitsu? You know, we'll talk about that a little bit. So you, you actually get- have a conversation? You don't just yeah. throw them into because a lot of these you know <laughs> academies you just you're thrown into like warm ups and and there you go you know and you're like whoa what's happening? Yeah, so the gym owner uh, his name is Matt Muscoviak. He'll run them through and I'll talk to him and then as soon as they come into the mat area, I'll introduce them. If I'm teaching, I'll introduce myself. I'll talk to them. If Nakana's teaching, I'll walk that person over and be like, hey, this is Nakana. He's going to be the one that's teaching you. You know, Nakana being the funny Nakana always crack a joke and. You know, kind of try to rip on them a little bit, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of lightens the mood for them. You know, like, okay, this is a pretty good place. But yeah, we always talk to them a little bit before they start. You know, ask them why they started, uh, what their goals are with jujitsu. I mean, we're kind of testing them out as well. Like, are you going to be a good fit for our gym? Right. Yeah, sure. You know, I don't want somebody that's going to bring down the atmosphere in the gym yeah. to be at the yeah. gym. So I kind of, you know, question them a little bit. Not like an interrogation or anything. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> question a little bit and then i'm like okay here's the warm-ups we'll have one of our people run them through the warm-ups yeah i I try to give them as much as i can because it is intimidating especially being a grown man walking in somewhere if you've never done martial arts most people when they walk in they haven't done a sport their entire life like okay this guy's friendly he's nice Mm -hmm. this is going to be a good place for me how do you deal with when things go wrong someone just doesn't work out have you had to have that conversation with someone I haven't specifically yet. The gym that I'm at now, we've had zero problems since I've been there. You know, kind of when you leave your gym, when I left Derby City, I was like, man, I don't know if I'll ever find a group of people that are like this good of people. I moved there and I was like, man, everybody here is awesome. I haven't had any problems. I guess because it's in Louisville. Murfreesboro is a really nice area as well. But in Louisville, we would have some guys come in. They're like, yeah, I want to put somebody to sleep and all this stuff. And, yeah. and that happened like every Friday. <laughs> so, and luckily I was the person that always worked on Friday. They would come in and I'm like, all right, here's a perfect example. So this guy comes into the gym and he's trying to sell me these comic books. And uh, I'm like, okay, it's weird. It's like, well, how much do you want for him? A thousand dollars for this comic book. You know, it's wow. like kind of ripped to shreds. <laughs> like, wow. I'm a thousand dollars for right. this. So he starts talking about how he did all this martial arts and how he's a black belt in like 20 different martial arts. I was <laughs> yeah. messing with him. He's like, uh, I was like, do you ever do uh, jujitsu? He's like, nah, I don't do jujitsu. I think that it's uh, not that great. Like, I don't think that I would do it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I wouldn't use that shit either. He's just messing with him. <laughs> but it was funny. He was telling me he's a black belt and then jujitsu. And then when I asked him to leave because I had to do classes and stuff, he's like, I'm going to turn your entire power to your house and here off with my lightning rod. Mm. That was something that I had to deal with like every Friday. I think that's why they put me on Fridays. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyways, Chewy uh, would be the person to usually talk to somebody like if something was mm. going wrong at the gym, which wasn't very often. Right, but every right. now and then if somebody's causing problems, we're like, hey, man, you got to take it somewhere mm-hmm. else because we don't want it. When I come to the gym, especially if I'm paying a membership, I want it to be somewhere that I can go. I can get my mind off working. I worked a really hard job night shift for a long time. So I understand like when I come to the gym, I don't mm-hmm. want to think about any drama or anything. I want to train, yeah. get my time in, have fun. Yeah. So that's the way I always try to keep the gym atmosphere. And if you're going right. to bring that down, then 
I'll step up and say something because mm-hmm. I want people to be happy when they come into the gym. I don't want yeah. them to have to worry about all these other problems. You got enough problems yeah. going on. So then conversely, can you talk about like the moments where you've seen something extra special, identifying when people are going through some, some major growth? Here's a good story. I met this guy in college. His name's Patrick. And I was doing a report because at the time when I was in college, I still wanted to fight and do all this stuff. So I did a report on how I wanted to make it to the UFC and do all this stuff. Well, he's like, oh, okay, you're a fighter, huh? So every day for the next month, he was just giving me shit about how he could beat me and like how jiu-jitsu and all this stuff is useless. And it, my teacher hated us because we would just go back and forth, you know, because I'm going to stand up for myself. I'm not going to let somebody, you know, tell me. So <laughs> me and him were just bickering back and forth all the time. Finally, I'm like, all right, man, like, why don't you come in the gym and like, we'll find out. And this guy, he grew up in almost a rougher area than me. So I kind of understand where he came from. But he came in the gym. This dude was 300 pounds at the time almost, I want to say. Big guy. So he came in and he tried to run at me and I hip tossed him and got neon belly really fast and arm barred him. I think it it probably was like 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. And his thighs were like this big. (laughs) What the hell just happened to me? He starts coming like seven days a week. (laughs) you know he kind of had the same mindset as me he's like okay like this guy just destroyed me i need to start working on this stuff right well now he's i want to say 220 pounds he's a purple belt wow he's uh, one of mine and chewy's purple belts but he started doing private lessons with me he's training seven days a week he was coming to open mats like after that day his attitude changed I mean, he still talks shit a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We, we still bicker back and forth, but <laughs> now it's in like a, a friendly way. <laughs> but God. yeah, he changed his entire life around, man. Like went from 300 pounds to, to 220, started fixing Jeez. his diet, his work habits became, started working really hard towards everything. Couldn't be happier for the guy, man. He's, he's an entrepreneur now as well. He's trying to do photography and videography and stuff like that it's cool that's like what a what a difference one day makes you know what i mean that's crazy yeah i know yeah Speaking of body types, you were talking about your Lanky Guy series. I've talked to some BJJ practitioners who I've heard who say something like, I'm supposed to love the spider game, for instance, right? Because I'm this long guy, but I hate it. You know, I prefer this different type of game. Are there any positions or techniques like that for yourself that Lanky Guy is supposed to love and supposed to excel at, but isn't quite your thing? And then conversely, do you play like a shorter, stockier guy's game? Here's my perspective on jujitsu, And I knew that one day I wanted to teach and not everybody's going to be 6'3". It's hard to find. Uh, there's going to be all these different body styles. So I like to break things down again because I'm competitive. So I break every single thing down. So I started working on deep half. I started working on half guard, getting in tight. I worked on wrestling. I worked on the back. I worked on mount. I worked on every single aspect of jujitsu. And that's one thing that I really focused on uh, when I got my black belt was finding series from each position that I could teach to somebody. Because again, not everybody's going to be 6'3". So I tried to master everything that I could with jujitsu. Mm-hmm. If something new mm-hmm. comes out, like the full passing, you know, I'm immediately studying that. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. stuff comes out. I'm like, okay, let's look at how to shut this down at least and mm-hmm. uh, how to play that a little bit. But as far as your question with like you guys hating stuff, I had mm-hmm. hardly ever played spider guard. I will play it every now and then, but it's not my go-to position. Mm-hmm. I more prefer like the collar sleeve. I feel like I can stretch people mm-hmm. out. Uh, you see anybody who plays spider guard, their knuckles are just... Yeah. destroyed and huge <laughs> yeah like, i don't want to i don't want to do that but <laughs> yeah. i also like my game to transfer from gi and nogi like, if you look at adam 
Adam plays a lot of lasso and spider guard. Every single mm-hmm. time he comes in, he has to put tape on every <laughs> single finger just from playing it. I'm like, man, I don't want to do that. So a lot of my grips, don't get me wrong, I do use a gi. I use little pedals and stuff like that. But, you know, most of the time I'm like grabbing the head. I'm grabbing grips that aren't going to destroy my fingers. And a lot of my stuff too, I transfer from gi and no gi. Like I try mm-hmm. to get to the closed guard. I'll grab the collar and stuff, but I'm trying to break down and get wrist control, stuff like that. But it doesn't really involve a lot of like twisting of my fingers and as much grip strength. So you will utilize the gi, but you also play like a universal grip type of game as well so that it can apply to both gi and no gi? Yeah, so let's say that we're we're both standing on the feet wrestling. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people like to get like a pistol grip or the forefinger grip on the sleeve. Sure. You know, I always prefer to grab like the meat of the hand. Mm-hmm. So I always grab mm-hmm. right here because it's harder right. to, to circle away. So just mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know, again, I still will use the gi if I'm playing like a collar sleeve because I need to stretch the person. If I can control the wrist, I like that better than the sleeve most of the time, though. Do you have any kind of social media strategy? Again, it goes back to consistency. I don't think that you should post so much that you get on people's nerves, Mm -hmm. but at least like one post a day or one post every other day. That way people (laughs) are like, okay, you know, Chad, oh, there's Chad, you know, there's Chad. And you almost start to feel like you're invested in somebody's life. You're always watching it and you're like, oh, okay, you know, Chad's doing this. Chad just ate this taco bowl or, you know, taco bowl, whatever the hell I'm eating that day. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, I go on a, a hike or something like that and you're watching that video. You know, you almost become invested in the person's life. Yeah. But if it's only like you're posting like once a month or something like that, you're like, okay, most people will just scroll through it. But if you're posting mm-hmm. all the time, people will click. And if it's interesting, they're like, oh, and then they can, it's like watching a movie. <laughs> you just continue yeah. watching, seeing what the person's doing. My strategy for everything is consistency. Mm-hmm. If you're consistent, it's going to work out eventually. And what uh, social media platforms or platforms in general are you sort of working on? Yeah, I do Facebook, Instagram. I started a little fan page on Facebook to try to get people interested in that. I feel like mm-hmm. Facebook, not necessarily, it's not dying off, but you don't get as much traffic. Instagram is one that I've been trying to focus on lately. But yeah. I was all invested into YouTube, but I was like, okay, I need to start investing time into other stuff. So I tried to do more stuff on Instagram. I made an email list where people can send me emails, questions, and then I kind of send them training tips, stuff like that. So I tried to just call plant seeds in different areas Mm -hmm. and try to make them grow up. Yeah, Instagram is going to be my big one that I'm working on. I never really got into Twitter. Just not Mm -hmm. a big Twitter fan. People talk about Reddit still being really important. I think you have a a Reddit uh, presence as well, right? Yeah, that's actually where I started growing my YouTube channel is on Reddit, the Mm. BJJ page. If I'm going to post this video and let my friends see it, I might as well let everybody see it. So I post on yeah. Facebook and then, you know, I was already on Reddit because I liked looking at memes and stuff like that. Right, right, right. I found uh, the jujitsu page and started posting my videos and people were like, oh man, this is awesome. And I started posting the lanky techniques and stuff like that. Very started cool. developing following and people started writing me. And a lot of people watched my promotion video with Chewy. So they were writing me about that, mm-hmm. kind of asking tips to, to help get over stuff. But yeah, Reddit was a, a big help for me to help kickstart my YouTube channel and get people interested. I want to record something and be like, hey, if you sign up for my email list, I'll give you these free videos or something like that. So I kind of give incentive. And then it's just free training tips. I'll offer products and stuff that I have for sale. 
But a lot of it's like, for instance, one of my guys at the gym is asking how he can improve. So I just answered it in one of the emails. I was like, well, when you're doing jujitsu, are you paying attention to why something's not working? Hmm. Or are you just kind of going about your day? If something wasn't working for me, or if I got shut down, I, I think about it all day. <laughs> how can I hit this guy with this sweep next time? Right. So next time I come in, I'm trying something I'm like, okay, that didn't work. And then the next day we come in, I'm like, there it is. Finally find the key to how that technique's going to work on a certain style or a certain person. So I just mm -hmm. answered that question and I got a lot of good feedback from it. People were like, yeah, man, thank you. You know, mm -hmm. I was just rolling and not really having a goal. It was just kind of going through the motion, but now I'm like paying attention to why something's not working. Can you talk about the Kentucky jiu-jitsu scene? I mean, are there a lot of academies there? Is there a lot of opportunity for seminars there? Is there a lot of sort of cohesion there or is it sort of more confrontational or, or what? I feel like it's gotten better with the, the confrontational stuff. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, everybody was against each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess it was like that old martial art thing, like, oh, if you go to this gym, like, you're just shaking your head at you. That was just everywhere. So back in the day, people would tell everybody that Derby City was a bunch of rough rollers and, like, a bunch of dirty people. Like, you know, we got a bunch of lawyers and police officers there, but people were like, oh, if you go there, they're going to try to hurt you and all <laughs> kinds of rumors and stuff like that. And then people would come over and be like, oh, these guys are actually, like, nice like yeah they roll hard but you know they're, they're not assholes <laughs> but now i feel like with the whole covid and everything How's they got all the there? gems together i'm not sure with kentucky i know that they're still running uh, like 10 people per class or something mm. like that so they have to have class signups everybody in kentucky came together made this video so it was pretty cool seeing all the jujitsu come together and for a greater cause <laughs> try to yeah. get everybody's gym open back up there's uh, a lot of good people in Kentucky. It's funny, not too long ago on Reddit, I did a seminar. I'm not sure where the where it was, but a guy posted like, hey, Chad was like one of the most overwhelming people that I've rolled with. Well, yeah. there's always somebody on the internet. <laughs> I gets on there and is like, yeah, for Kentucky, like the pool's not that great there or the water's not that some like something to that. So I was like, all right, man, just because you're in California, you think everybody's the best over there. Yeah, I mean, you got Joe Bays. I mean, he's an EBI veteran, ADCC veteran. He's from yeah. Kentucky. You got yeah. Bobby Emmons. I mean, that guy's been on a ton of stuff, wins matches at high-level tournaments in like 30 seconds. I mean, I go out there, I put it on the line. Chewy has won Nogi Pans twice. You got Jacob Couch from Pedigo now. He was from Kentucky, trained in Georgetown. Mm -hmm. That kid's out there killing it. I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. I could go on. There's there's a lot of people. Nathan Haddad, Brent Weedman fought on Bellator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I could go on for days. There's a ton of people competing at a high level in Kentucky. So, you know, it kind of made me mad when he said that. I was like, yeah, those, those yeah. regional statements are ridiculous. Knowledge is knowledge yeah. and, you know, technique and practice and time put in is, yeah. speaks for itself. Yeah, exactly. So... Most of the time, I don't let comments get to me, but <laughs> that one, I was like, <laughs> gotcha. come on, man. Yeah, I think mostly because if somebody says something about me, I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Like, <laughs> you can say what you want about me. Like, that's why I do like all the stupid comedy skits and stuff like that. I'm like, I don't care. You can make fun of me all you want. It doesn't really bother me too much. <laughs> but when you, you start talking about my friends and, you know, stuff like that, then I'm like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I start getting yeah. mad about that. Yeah, there's a sense of pride there, of course. How did you learn to tie your gi belt? <laughs> Man, that's a good question. I don't think I've ever thought about that. Um, <laughs> this one always throws all the high-level guys in <laughs> yeah, because hey, you got to go way back to that moment, you know, because it's I was such trying a to deal. Imagine the exact day that someone taught me. I want to say that 
I learned to tie my well. I guess I have to say because I mean I tied my belt in taekwondo. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, good point. My instructor Doug, I guess, showed me how to tie a belt for my first time when I was like seven years old. So I've been. Do they tie it belt. the same way in taekwondo as they do jujitsu? Yeah, yeah. I've always mm-hmm. tied my. I mean, there's a bunch of different ways you could tie the belt, but I've right. always stuck to the one that I learned in taekwondo. And yeah, that. I don't know people have some fancy ties. Mine is tied around twice and make two X's. I'm like, ah. I ain't worried about that. I'm worried about doing jiu-jitsu. <laughs> you know, I think it's just keeping my gi closed. Can you so, remember yeah. what day one class was like in jiu-jitsu for you? So my first day when I got into jiu-jitsu, at the time they had this guy named Greg. He was a Brazilian guy teaching at Kyle and Collins Academy, Derby City. And he spoke very little English. So he was, talk- uh-huh. <laughs> he was trying to talk to me and explain to me how to do like some of the warm-ups and stuff. And I was like, you know, and I'm a kid. So I'm like, yeah. I don't know what the hell this guy's saying. <laughs> what was his native talk. language? He's Portuguese. Yeah, you know, he he knew probably like four or five words of English. Wow. Teaching these classes, I'm just sitting there scratching my head the entire time. I'm like, I wow. guess this is what jiu-jitsu is. But then he's like, okay, time to roll or something like that. And I was like, I don't even know what rolling means. Yeah, what so is it? Came up to me and started moving around. And I was like. Okay, wrestling, that's what he means. And then he put me with one of the 16-year-olds, and that's how that happened. But it was very confusing, to say the least. I just didn't know what he was talking about half the time. When did you decide to make jiu-jitsu your career? So I started working a job because I was like, man, I just have no money doing jiu-jitsu. It was like, it's cool that I'm doing jiu-jitsu, but I'm not making anything. I'm not going to be able to survive. And I started freaking myself out when I was like, I think I was... 17 or 18 when I got a job, I was thinking, man, how am I ever going to retire? You know, how am I going to have my own house and have my own place? So I I got a job working with my buddy Patrick, the Purple Belt. I started working my way up there and I wanted to quit a long time ago, but they kept promoting me and promoting me and promoting me. And then it's like, okay, now I'm up near a top spot. Like now I can't. Back in the day, I was killing it at tournaments. I mean, most of my matches were 30 seconds, one minute. I was going in there just handling business. And if I wanted to compete, I had to stay up like two days straight to do a tournament because mm-hmm. I worked night shift and my off days were Monday, Thursday. <laughs> which is terrible oh, i could never take off because i was like the only one in the office that of course knew what they the were worst. doing <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I had to work on saturdays and sundays so i would go to these tournaments well they let me off for pans and i flew in and or sorry it was nogi pans i went to the tournament i was just so tired and exhausted and yeah. i think the match was it went the distance, but I ended up losing by like two points or four points or something like that. And it mm-hmm. just kind of clicked. I was like, man. And, you know, I think that it was someone that I had won against in the past and I had won mm-hmm. in like 30 seconds. And you know, now mm-hmm. these people, people that I, in my head, I thought that I should be beating. Mm-hmm. They were dragging me, dragging me out. And I started yeah. going to more and more tournaments. The tournaments were getting harder. I'm like, man, I, like, I used to beat people in like a minute, you know, a minute and a half just going out there. And now my matches are all going the distance and I'm tired and I have as much good cardio because I'm working all the time. But yeah, that pans was one of the changing moments. I'm like, all right, (laughs) you know, because I'd never been put out in the first round in a tournament ever at that point. Mm -hmm. And I got put out in the first round and I was like, yep, that's not happening. (laughs) And of course, work was making me mad at the time as well. So a lot of stuff going on. I'm like, I'm just going to take the leap of faith and, you know, talk to Chewy and see if he can at least give me a decent amount. All I needed really, which is what they paid me. I mean, I made like $800 when I first quit. I don't even think it was mm-hmm. that. I was like $700 to work at the gym. My rent was only $200. The rest of it wow. was food. But it was nice. I had that 
lucky break of friends helping me out when I first quit to be able to quit my job. And then, you know, the gym helping me out with a little bit of money to keep me going. I grew my YouTube and then the website, you know, now I'm able to make a decent living for myself just by investing into it. But it was definitely scary. I was scared (laughs) when I first started because I got back into that mode of thinking like, what am I going to do for the rest of my life again? You know, I just put yeah. this good paying job to do jujitsu and like, there's not much money in jujitsu is what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what am I doing? So I was freaking myself out the first week. I'm, you know, you kind of second guess yourself, but then I, everything started working out. I was like, well, I got the YouTube going and I didn't expect to get five subscribers. I ended up getting like a thousand in the first month. So I was like, yeah. oh, you know, okay, maybe, maybe I can do something. I yeah. kept going from there and then I was able to monetize the videos one of my videos got up to like 100,000 views and I was like, wow, like I didn't expect to get five views. So it was cool. What kind of advice would you give to the white belts that are coming into the game and have been in the game for a bit and the blue belt? The best thing that you could ever do for yourself is being consistent at something. <laughs> if you're consistent, you can't suck forever. <laughs> if you're coming to every class and you're investing your time trying to make it like three, four days a week, you're going to get better at it. You might lose for a little while, but eventually you're going to catch on to the techniques. There's a lot of stories that I could tell, but people when they first come in, like Patrick, a 300-pound guy that's out of shape and smokes three packs of cigarettes a day. If he's coming and he can be consistent and work a full-time job, you could do it as well. You know, you just have to invest some time into it kind of study, mm-hmm. but be consistent with your training. And a lot of times, a blue belt means something, but people get so fixated on their belt. They're like, okay, I'm a blue belt now. I'm supposed to be beating every white belt. I'm supposed to be competing with the purple belts and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. if you look at it like that, it's not going to happen for everybody. I mean, there's just different levels to the sport. Mm-hmm. And you have to look back on what is your reasoning for doing jujitsu in the first place right? Are you trying to be a world champion? Or are you trying to do this for fun? You know, so you, you always have to remind yourself, you know, why are you doing this? Because mm. I had to talk to a student before he was going against Rob. Mm. Uh, he was, Rob's one of the, my old UKs that was in all of the, the videos. Mm-hmm. But the guy was tough, man, like super tough. I mean, I had to fight to the death with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's only a blue belt. But some of my other blue belts were like, man, like this guy's destroying me. I was like, well, I mean, he's consistently training. I mean, he's here five days a week. You're here two days a week and he's trying to compete. You know, he's a former MMA fighter. Like, you know, you can't expect to compete with somebody like that if you're not Mm. putting in the same amount of time. Mm. Like he wants to compete and you're just doing it for fun. So you got to kind of learn, learn the levels, you know, not that you can't be good from not competing, but it's definitely a different level if you're consistent and there all the time. We got a guy right now, he trains, he's a police officer. His name's Lance. He Mm. trains five days a week and he's been doing it for a year and he's already catching up to a lot of people just because he's consistent with the training. You know, it's fresh in his head every day. He's able to fix the mistakes faster. But if you're only Mm. training one day a week, two days a week, you can't really adjust to anything. It's like Mm -hmm. starting over every time. Well, Chad, thanks so much for your time. Where can we get more information about you, all the products and everything, Chad Hardy? You can go to my website, chadthebeasthardy.com. It's an online academy filled with courses. And then I have all my social media platforms. It's going to be under Chad the Beast Hardy. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for watching and listening out there. I am Adolfo Ferranda, your host, Forever White Belt. Just search for Forever White Belt and subscribe, thumbs up, hit the bell. Thanks so much for watching and listening out there.